Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. This is Judge Andrew Napolitano for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, August 25th, 2022. It's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Our guest today is no stranger to Judging Freedom uh, watchers and fans. Phil Giraldi is, of course, one of the most, one of the more courageous uh, former intelligence agents in the modern era. Uh, and he is our go-to person on matters of intelligence, whether it's domestic or foreign. Today, we're, of course, we're going to talk about uh, Ukraine and the latest developments there and in Moscow. Phil, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on again. Do you uh, have any reason to believe that the CIA was involved in the assassination of the young woman, the young female Russian journalist in uh, Moscow last week, uh, whose father is a philosophical guru and and purportedly um, mouths uh, nationalist uh, arguments that uh, resonate with President Putin? Well, it depends on how you define the word involved. Um, I would rather suspect since the uh, uh, Ukrainian intelligence service is, is not exactly a, a tier one service uh, and lacks sophistication, uh, the fact that the CIA, MI6, and also Mossad uh, have also have been all been working with the uh, Ukrainians to, uh, to upgrade their capabilities. So I would have to suspect that uh, since this was a, clearly a, um, a provocation or, or a terrorist attack, if you want to call it for that, that uh, was carried out by the Ukrainians, uh, I would think that the, um, um, the other agencies probably knew about it and might have even collaborated on it. And that would mean that their political masters back home in Washington and London and Tel Aviv would be in on it too. So that's my suspicion. All right, this is not the first time you have told us about uh, MI6 because they're wedded at the hip, though they're very much the junior partner, as I understand it, to the CIA. But at least I I think this is the first time you've told us about Mossad. Is Mossad, which of course is the Israeli uh, intelligence service, is Mossad physically present on the ground in Ukraine collaborating with CIA and MI6, their their British cousins, uh, and informing and aiding and assisting Ukraine intel? Uh, I would say absolutely. Um, I I can't give you any names or show pictures with faces or that sort of thing, but it has been reported openly in the media, the Israeli media, uh, that there are hundreds of Israeli, quote, volunteers in Ukraine. And of course, uh, most of these volunteers um, would be veterans of the Israel Defense Forces, and I would bet 
that a large percentage of them are intelligence officers. Can, so can, yeah. can we conclude that President Putin and the Russian intelligence services are aware of who's there and where they are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure the Russian intelligence services are quite capable of uh, picking up uh, telephonic and other types of communications that these people uh, are using to call back home and all that sort of thing. They probably have a, a pretty good fix as to where these people are and what they're up to. What would be uh, the rationale on the part of uh, Ukraine people and the masters of MI6, CIA, and Mossad for wanting this provocation? I mean, they murdered an innocent girl while she was driving a car. You can't murder somebody because of their political opinion, but that's what happened. Was the bomb intended for her father? And even if it was intended for her father, he's not a combatant, it would have been murder of him. Am I right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. But bear in mind that the two of them do have a political profile. Uh, they are both uh, strong supporters of the Russian intervention uh, in Ukraine. So they do have a, uh, a certain political significance. And I would suggest that there are a couple of possible motives uh, possibly playing out right here. Uh, if if uh, on, on a simple basis, you might say that um, also considering the recent attacks in Crimea, which is controlled by Russia, that they're showing that they can strike even in Russia, even in Russian controlled territory and kill whole pro high profile individuals who are Russian. So this is that kind of, you know, warning about what's going on. And the other uh, thing that I would look at, and I think this is a stronger argument, would be that Zelensky and whoever is advising him uh, have decided that a provocation that would bring a strong Russian response would be in their interest because then NATO and the United States will feel more compelled to get directly involved in the conflict. Hmm. It is, you know, there is a theory uh, of warfare, and this has been around for thousands of years, uh, is that if you can make your uh, enemy spend resources or alter his strategy on something where he didn't plan to spend resources, uh, you've weakened him. Uh, could this be uh, a part of Zelensky's strategy with, uh, with respect to this assassination? Sure, that's that's a very plausible way to look at it. The uh, the fact is that uh, in Moscow right now, there's probably considerable agitation uh, from people who did not have security protection, did not have bodyguards, and uh, and that sort of thing. They're probably looking around and saying, "Well, maybe I need one now." So that's going to disrupt the the planning and the thinking that goes on in the Kremlin. So absolutely, that's a good point. Your uh, a friend and mine and a great friend of the show, uh, Scott Ritter, uh, suggested just two days ago that the bomb was intended for her father, but somehow they got in different cars, that her father was in the car behind her and that her father watched his daughter being blown to bits or, or burned, to, burned to death, however you die when a, a bomb explodes in the car you're driving. Yeah, the information seems to be that the vehicle itself was belonged to him, but he was a kind of reluctant driver. So his daughter very often would drive him to places. Uh, and, and obviously, in this case, he went with somebody else in another car. But uh, 
I would suspect, of course, that they were uh, trying to get uh, him most most definitely, and uh, she was just kind of collateral damage as far as they were concerned. Um, we're still reading articles in the New York Times and the Washington Post and even the Wall Street Journal uh, that the uh, Ukrainians are enthusiastic, gung-ho, that the Russians are lethargic uh, and exhausted, and there may even be a turn of the tide uh, in the way the war is going. So is this being fed to them by MI6 and CIA? Well, it, it, you know, it depends on how they are perceiving what the, the end game in all of this is going to be. I mean, is Zelensky going to pocket his $20 billion and disappear? Uh, you know, how is this all going to play out? Obviously, there's, uh, there is a, so much corruption in the process of what's going on there in terms of, of foreign aid and that sort of thing and foreign advisors. And uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it should be clear to everyone there, even the CIA and MI6 and Mossad, uh, that Ukraine has no chance of winning this war in any real sense. Uh, but the fact is they may see certain... Um, ways of turning things around at certain levels that appeal to them for one one reason or another. For example, uh, uh, the our Secretary of Defense, Austin, has basically said that the whole objective of being there is to weaken Russia and to make Russia incapable of carrying out, uh, shall we say, uh, geostrategic uh, uh, policies that would be damaging to global American interests. So this is a kind of complicated, uh, you know, if not convoluted way of looking at things. But there are certainly idiots in Washington that look at things this way. I would include certainly Blinken in that. And it's not clear if the president has any view on this at all. Have we come to a point in this war where the president and Secretary of State Blinken and Secretary of State Austin have to be thinking about an American end game. I mean, if it is more likely than not that the Russians will have succeeded in capturing the territory they want by winter, a very bitter and cold winter in a place like Germany, for reasons we all understand, as a result of the war and as a result uh, of sanctions. But what is Joe Biden going to do? Just declare victory and and, and stop sending material there? Question one. Question two, he just authorized another $3 billion in ammunition. How the hell does he know that the Ukrainians are going to get that ammunition, that it won't be destroyed by the Russians or taken by them? Yeah, or, or taken by some corrupt politician there who'll yeah. resell it. Yeah, there, there, there's no, uh, there are no inspectors in this process who make sure this stuff is winding up where it's supposed to go and 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 also there's the factor that the uranium uh, the ukrainian uh, soldiers uh, haven't been trained on a lot of this equipment and if you've ever been in the military you would appreciate that that has a significance uh i'm sure scott ritter has mentioned this more than once he has he has yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have personal knowledge of this but let me ask you is it more likely than not that the more complex equipment we've given them is actually being operated by Americans out of uniform because it just takes too long to train a Ukrainian to operate some of the stuff. I mean, you're not talking about pulling a trigger. You're talking about equipment that looks like the control room of a television network 
with hundreds of different decisions that have to be made and buttons that have to be pressed. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, uh, there is a, I, I would think there is a considerable probability that there are American trainers. Now, I'm not talking in frontline units, but I'm talking in, in artillery units and, and uh, strategic uh, missile units, which are far back from the actual uh, line of combat. So I, I, uh, I would with some confidence say that there are American trainers uh, either in civilian clothes or in uniforms without um, uh, any uh, distinction in terms of, you know, American flags on the shoulders or, or ranks or, or unit uh, designations. I, I would uh, suspect very strongly that that's ca the case. Is the, has the CIA, or, or let me restate it, does the CIA reach a turning point or a breaking point? In a, in a situation like this, where they have to tell the president the truth, where they can't tell him just what they think he wants to hear. Ritter tells us that the CIA on the field are generally courageous, honest people who have a variety uh, of sources of info, and they feed it up. And the higher up it goes, the more political the spin on it until it's really spun to the point where what the Oval Office gets is what the Oval Office wants to hear, not necessarily what the folks on the ground have developed. Yeah, uh, Ritter is absolutely right. And in my own experience, uh, as someone who was on the ground for 20 years uh, and deferring to the people who were at headquarters and uh, whispering in the ear of uh, the President and Secretary of State, yeah, they're telling those people what they basically want to hear. They're clever enough to trim it in a way so they have kind of an escape door somewhere in the back in case the information turns out to be false. But, they, you know, they're, they're quite capable of this kind of thing. Think of George Tenet sitting there in the United Nations uh, be, behind Colin Powell and uh, Colin Powell lying his head off and George Tenet nodding away to show that he was endorsing everything that was being said. These people are criminals. They should be in jail. Well, George Tenet must have known that what Colin Powell was saying was untrue, unless the people immediately below George Tenet were lying to their boss. Yeah, he did know. Of course he knew. Uh, I, at the, the time when all this was going on, I was still at headquarters, and um, many of the top analysts were my former classmates. And they were telling me privately, I said, this, this information, uh, you know, is, is uh, about weapons of mass destruction and about uh, what Saddam Hussein is doing is, is totally contrived. And much of it is, is totally invented. So, you know, they, it was known, sure it was known. And it would have been known to Tenet, but he was the politician. All right, getting back to what I asked later, does there come a breaking point where the CIA has to tell uh, the president uh, the truth in order to save him from tremendous embarrassment and, and political loss. I mean, how's he going to justify $60 billion mm -hmm. more than the national budget of the entire Defense Department of Russia, more than the national budget of the entire government of Ukraine? How's he going to justify $60 billion to the American uh, public if Putin is sitting in Moscow smiling, saying, okay, we got what we wanted. We, we have the parts of Ukraine that, that never were really Ukraine, that were always Russia, and we're going to stop at this point. Well, 
Uh, yeah, there is a breaking point. Obviously, when 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 suddenly the uh, uh, Ukrainian army collapses completely and and starts heading for Poland, uh, then you know that there's, there's a breaking point that has to be discussed. But as I as I sort of suggested before, these guys are clever up at the top level. They always have a reason why this happened or why what they predicted didn't quite turn out the way it did. Uh, they're they're smart enough to do that. I mean, George Tenet uh, and, and Colin Powell uh, went on to um, stellar careers after they lied their heads off to start a war that we didn't need to fight that with people that didn't threaten us and uh, wound up killing a half a million of them. Uh, you know, um, uh, George Tenet wound up at Georgetown and and uh, you know was uh, take took off from there. This is criminal. Um. You, you mentioned, I think, in an offhanded way when the Ukraine army uh, heads for Poland. And it, it reminded me of something I wanted to ask you. Three days ago, the president of Poland said, Ukraine needs to recapture all of its area, landmass, including Crimea, mm -hmm. which has been Russian for a long time. What is he suggesting? That he wants Polish troops on the ground? That he wants them? Bingo trigger NATO, NATO, which bingo triggers World War Three. Well, that's what uh, that's where where that kind of rhetoric can lead. I mean, you have to, I think, put his comments uh, in the context of the historic antipathy of the Poles for the Russians and vice versa. Uh, so I think it's blowing a lot of smoke for his audience to a certain extent. Uh, I do not believe for a second that he would be. Uh, uh, shall we say, as risk-taking as would be needed to send Polish troops to fight the Russians inside Ukraine. But, you know, hey, these people um, uh, sometimes, you know, are flying by the seat, seats of their pants, and they don't always make sense in what they do and how they make the decisions. Glad we have you here, Phil, to help make sense uh, of all this. It's always a pleasure, no matter what we're talking about. Thank you very Thank much, you. my dear. Thank you, my dear friend. Thank you. Judge, Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.